Hey there, welcome to the exam room. I'm your host, Brian Bartabedian, aka Dr. V. Thanks for joining us. So this cast is a little different than what I often do here in the exam room. This is a riff on a 33 charts post from October 7th, 2020. And it's about the ONC Cures Act final rule, i.e. the Cures Rule, as we will call it in this cast. The reason I'm going off on this is that this is the biggest healthcare law that you have never heard of. And it's a law that's going to fundamentally shift the way we see patients and their information. It's a law that's going to change how physicians talk to patients about information, how we connect them with information. It's going to change, ultimately, our relationship with patients. So that's why I think it's really pretty important. So what is this law and what does it mean for doctors and health systems? And I will put this disclaimer in that this is my first take on this groundbreaking mandate. Uh, I'm going to continue to think about this and come up with other ideas and rabbit trails, and I'll share some of those here. I'll also share these on the 33 Charts newsletter, which you should join right now. Uh, it's going to keep you up to date on a lot of this stuff and a lot of my thinking and analysis uh, in this area. So what is the ONC Cures Act final rule? Uh, this federal mandate was created specifically to prevent the blocking of electronic health information between health systems and other devices. That is, health systems can no longer interfere with the access or exchange of electronic health information like we previously have done. So for patients, this rule allows unfettered access to personal health information it's something patients had access to before, but it took a whole lot of work to get it. This Cures Act final rule from the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT kicks into effect November 2nd, 2020. It's actually by the law November 1st, but that's a Sunday. Nobody will be working, so effectively November 2nd. A little word on the lingo. You may hear the 21st Century Cures Act kicked around. This was a bipartisan law passed in 2016 that included the ONC Cures Act final rule. There was a whole lot of stuff in the 21st Century Cures Act. The specific information about electronic sharing is under the Cures rule, which we'll be talking about here uh, over the uh, remainder of the cast. So despite the best intentions of, uh, intentions rather, of the High Tech Act, true healthcare information exchange across healthcare settings has really been something of a pipe dream for patients and even IT professionals. So this cures rule is really a critical first step in leveling the silos of health information that typically have been sheltered by the excuse of protecting patient privacy. If you ever tried to do anything with an app or a new uh, innovation, there's always been this excuse that we can't do this, we can't do that because we are protecting patient privacy. So the uh, Cures rule really is going to level that and make it easier for us to exchange information. Now, the clock for the enforcement of the Cures rule started ticking really when the rule was published in the Federal Register on May 1st, 2020. Compliance with the information blocking portion of the law starts November 2nd. Now, there's going to be a grace period for all of us who are just starting to get used to this, and it's going to give us uh, a little bit of leeway to sort out the details without penalty. But this is really a historic step in patient access, um, and I think it's really a bigger deal than most people think. In fact, it's absolutely staggering how few health professionals really understand how this is going to impact their work. And really, in, in fairness, we really have no idea how this is going to impact physician and patient workflows. 
Um, I will add that I think the reason that so few people know about this is because of COVID, but I think it's going to change pretty quickly. And if you look at the trending searches on Google, people are really starting to look this up. So when I look at the uh, ONC Cures Act final rule, I see two massive chunks, um, two major angles with this law that we need to think about that are going to impact physicians and hospitals. And the first one is access to clinical notes, i.e. open notes. And the second is the immediate release of tests and studies. So let me touch on these two angles and then tell you how it's going to affect doctors and systems. So we can start with open notes. And under the CURES rule, systems are going to be required to let patients see their clinic notes. Now, there are eight kinds of clinical notes that the law states that have to be shared, and you can find those on the ONC site. Uh, also, there are links on the 33 charts post from October 7th, 2020. All the links there, you can go and find them. Uh, and patients will not just be able to see the notes, but they'll actually have to have them. So when a doctor or a practitioner like myself has completed a note, it will immediately be accessible to patients through their secure online portal. Now, this is a total shocker for a lot of health professionals. The patient actually reading their office note, that note that doctors for so many years thought was their own thing, but it actually is the patient's thing. And this whole idea of open notes is not really new. It sounds novel, and with some of the stuff we're hearing on Twitter, it it's being played as novel, but over 250 healthcare organizations have already electively opened their notes to patients. Yeah, that's true. What's new here is that the federally mandated adoption is, uh, is revolutionary. While healthcare organizations once asked whether they should open their notes, the question now moves to how do they open their notes or how do they do it to be compliant with the law? So this no transparency movement actually dates back to 2010 when the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston, the Geisinger Health System in Pennsylvania, and Seattle's Harborview Medical Center launched a massive study allowing 20,000 patients to read their clinic notes. This was published in a study, landmark study in 2011 that you can access again through links on 33 charts. But this whole effort to empower patients with open notes has been fueled by the Open Notes Project, and that's open notes as one word, based at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, which is a Harvard Medical School teaching hospital. Um, you can click through, search open notes uh, on the internet, and you can see all of the published research there around open notes. You'll also find uh, the dozens of prescient medical centers who have already opened their notes and foreseeing the importance of this kind of transparency for patients. So right now, what's happening in health systems coast to coast in the United States is that those without open notes are working overtime with lots of coffee to figure out how they're going to be compliant with the law. And just as sort of a simple programming note, uh, when I say open notes, that refers to the general idea of notes being available to patients. Open notes, with the two words squished together, refers to that research group that has been advocating and specializing in research in this area. So the idea of opening notes to patients, uh, this isn't something that just happens overnight. This is a big deal. It's an intentional process and it takes more than just flipping a switch. It involves really careful consideration of a hospital's specific needs, their health IT infrastructure, and its culture. It requires buy-in from leadership and from doctors from the bottom up. 
Most enterprise EHR platforms have the technical capacity to do this built in. So in that respect, it is flipping a switch. And this is probably the easiest part of the whole process of opening notes. As you can read in the published research on the Open Notes site, uh, doctors generally adjust pretty well to the idea of having patients see their notes. Uh, this is incontrovertible. Uh, and despite the scenarios, these disaster scenarios that newbie doctors envision when this starts or when systems open their notes, none of that really bears, bears out or comes to be. I can tell you when my system opens their notes uh, later this year, I will be dotting the I's and crossing the T's. That's probably all I'll be doing differently. Small adjustment, but I think it's going to be a good thing. It's going to make me aware of uh, the fact that my note is far more transmissible beyond myself and my peers. It's really interesting. Back when I was uh, started my career, I had paper charts, and my note documentation was strictly for myself so that I would know what was happening uh, the next time I saw the patient. And as electronic records have emerged, um, my charts, my, or my notes rather, have now been shared within the hospital, within the group, and now what we're seeing is notes are actually reaching out to patients, and so things have really changed. If you're curious about this process of, op of opening notes, you are in amazing luck because the professionals at Open Notes are making themselves available for basic questions during the month of October. And I'll tell you something, these guys know a lot about the process of turning on notes. You can find them on Twitter at the Open Notes hashtag. That's Open Notes, one word, hashtag. You can reach out this month and take advantage of their amazing mind share. Just between you, me, and the wall, these guys will help you any day of the week, October or not. And so uh, look them up. For those of you who are interested, I had a great conversation right here in the exam room with Dr. Kate DeRoche, who's the executive director of Open Notes. It's from 2018, but it is a great one to get your hands around the open notes movement, and a lot of the basic issues are covered in painstaking detail. So the first facet was uh, opening notes, which is a little easier. The second major element of the law is a little bit bigger, and it has bigger short-term impact, I think, and that is the direct release of health information to patients. So as, as I said to you, under the new law, it will be required that Lab results, pathology reports, imaging studies, op reports, genetic tests, neonatal screens, and a lot more are going to be released immediately to patients. The Cures Rule does, however, allow clinicians like myself and hospital systems that I work in to make isolated exceptions around note and information release to account for flexibility, privacy, and security issues related to our specialty, like when the information in a note could lead to harm. In my world, that would be suspected medical abuse. Uh, how we handle these and how we limit them is uh, a topic of uh, debate that every children's hospital is now facing, i.e. those who haven't opened their notes. But if you think you're going to use these exceptions as a means of uh, not opening information to patients, uh, think again, because the smarty pants that made these laws made them dangerously specific, and they have covered for all the creative loopholes that you could ever come up with. So some people may not like this law, but it is what it is, and uh, we have to work in it and around it. So uh, for what it's worth, it was suggested at very recently, uh, the week prior to this podcast, that the Trump administration may push back the Cures Rule deadlines 
for healthcare organizations to comply with these regulations. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that very few health systems will be prepared for the November 2nd deadline, so I would not be surprised if this happens. But regardless of whether this kicks in on November 2nd or in the spring of 2021, patients are going to be getting their results immediately, warts and all, right in their inbox, so stay tuned. Again, if you're not a subscriber to the 33 Charts email newsletter, I will keep you up to date on some of the key elements of this. So there are two absolutes that I see around the cures rule that I think are important. And the first absolute is that we can't change the law. The second absolute is that we can't change medical reports. And actually, we can change the law, and we very well may in the future change medical reports, but that's another story, and neither one of those two things is going to happen anytime soon. So we're stuck with these two absolute laws about the law, and I found that the two of them are a great starting point when discussing the cures rule with my peers because there's a lot of eye rolling and suggestion that we got to go back and we have to change this, reverse this, and that ain't going to happen, folks. It ain't going to happen. So what do I think is going to happen? Uh, what's the transition going to look like for patients and doctors? And for sure, there's going to be some growing pains for doctors and patients. And let me talk about those two populations briefly here. For patients, just like when the internet was new, patients had to figure out how they were going to use web-based information, how that fit in with their relationship with their doctor. And back then, initially, patients were punch drunk with what they could do with information they found on the web. I call this the information show of force in 1998. It was remarkable, really. This was at the outset of my career, and patients would show up with inkjet printed information, and they would confront me about stuff that I would tell them. Um, and there was a real power struggle between me and patients, and it was really difficult initially uh, because patients didn't know where to draw those levels with their relationship with me and their relationship with information. And since that time, they've come to understand the boundaries and limits of information. And uh, honestly, it's really been amazing to watch that uh, to watch that evolve. I always like to say that I was really fortunate to have been born and raised and cut my teeth in the analog age before the internet, and I've watched this transition take place. It has been crazy interesting. So patients and, and as, are, are one population where they're going to be growing pains. Doctors are the other. Back to the internet. In response to the democratization of information that was brought by the internet in the 90s, a lot of doctors thought the sky was going to fall, and we know it didn't. We all adjusted, and Despite the dated advice that we still hear from late-generation doctors, i.e. don't look at the internet, we've all kind of grown up quite comfortably working in and around patients with information. And it's actually so fascinating to watch the really young doctors that we have as trainees here at Texas Children's Hospital. They don't, you will never hear a young graduate tell a, tell a family to not look, you know, not look at information, not look at the internet, just, just wacky. So, just like we saw with the internet in the 90s, the responsibility for adjusting to this law will fall on both parties. Patients will have to understand the vast difference between information and wisdom. And as I like to say, with great access comes great responsibility. This is a huge point since all the efforts around this law currently going on are what health systems are what doctors need to do. There is zero discussion about what the, what the responsibilities are going to be of patients when they receive this information and how they need to think about it. But we'll all grow around the cures rule, 
after a slightly bumpy transition, I suspect the benefits we find will outweigh the costs as all of us as patients, and we're all patients at some point, earn the access that we deserve. So as I said early on, I'm kind of working out the details with what this all means and how it's going to impact my workflow and the workflow of my peers. But what are some of the things we need to do differently? How do we need to frame this? About open notes, if the research on open notes, if we believe all of it, and I do, if all that research to date is any indication of acceptance and problems, open notes shouldn't be any major problem or present any major surprises in clinics where communication is already really solid. Now, that's a big assumption, right? Communication is always, isn't always great uh, across clinics across the country, but for those who are doing it right, open notes should not be a problem, and I think that's a smaller element in the cures rule. I'm more concerned about the labs and the studies and the other things that go bump in the night or bump in the inbox. And I suspect that there will be some mishaps in the months after the law turns on. But with a little planning, this risk can be mitigated. And I think it's also worth mentioning, and this is, this is a key point, that the release of information to patients through portals is already happening. I have patients that receive biopsy reports uh, due to mishaps in, in, in communication on my part those results get to patients, and uh, this guy has not fallen yet. So I think this transition that, that we go through after this law kicks into effect will really be about education and managing expectations on the patient's part and the doctor's part as well. So a few things I think we, I want to mention that we need to get across, and the first is, and I'll kind of line out these as we go along, we need to frame what it is to receive information. While it's a patient's personal information and it is their right to have it as soon as it's available, patients have no responsibility to understand it or respond to it or figure it out. More needs to be done uh, to help educate patients about what this all means, and I think that's going to happen in due time. Secondly, access does not imply understanding. As part of this information framing process, we need patients to understand that there will be limitations to what they can draw from health information. While my patient's parents, I'm a pediatrician, can understand way more than I think, we need to lift that weight of responsibility from them. But like web information, I think, uh, or I suspect rather, that patients will figure some of this out on their own terms and we don't need, you don't need to get too crazy about it. I think it's really important to say, as number three, that the handling of patient information remains personal and individual. The release of studies and notes needs to respect the vast differences in the kind of information patients want and when. There are a lot of patient advocates that advocate for things that are really, really out there. And I can tell you when I talk to some of my parents, they don't always want that. And so there's a lot of variation in, in the kind of access and what people want. Don't get me wrong, this is the right thing, but we have to respect the differences in what people want to do. So some patients will devour their information, others will be uninterested or will want to be less involved, and neither one of those options is right or wrong. We can't shame people for not wanting to carry their MRI results around with them. And I think that uh, managing these patient preferences will represent a huge operational responsibility for healthcare systems, one that we're just starting to realize now. And I will say number four, I think that access does not change the relationship between clinician and patient. I suspect that access to information of this type will change our relationship in the long run, but that's another discussion for another exam room podcast. But we need to emphasize that uh, 
Despite early results release, clinicians will always be there to put information into the right context. Remember, information without context leads to confusion. So hopefully, with timely communication from health professionals, this gap between the finalization of information and patients receiving it is going to be shortened. And I think this is going to be one huge upside to this mandate. A lot of docs are going to going to straighten some shit out, and I think that's really going to make a big difference. Number five, I think preemptive conversations will be key. Okay, so workflows and conversations around procedures and studies will need to be examined and adjusted in a big way. We're going to have to uh, kind of preemptively help patients understand the potential outcomes of a biopsy or an MRI to prevent downstream misunderstanding. We don't have to get crazy when we discuss these uh, this thing. We don't have to go into great detail, but we just want people to understand what are we expecting to find when we do a study? And this is a great question to ask. We always should be asking this before we order anything. Disciplines like oncology, genetics, adolescent medicine, and others will need the most attention in this area because these, these are the folks that deal with some of the high-impact stuff that can be uh, devastating if mishandled or misreleased uh, with the wrong timing. Finally, the final point, I think that we are going to need a serious cycle of reiteration after this law goes into effect. This transition that healthcare systems are doing today and right now is not a one and done for health professionals or health systems. And I expect it's going to take months of review and reiteration and correction and adjustment to achieve the right flows particular to a specialty in its local culture. And I think the federal government in their early enforcement of this mandate will be really smart to allow a whole lot of latitude as we all figure this massive transition out. Early challenges also should not be interpreted as a broken concept. I think there are going to be some changes to the marketplace that may emerge because of the cures rule. A couple of ideas here, a few things that I think will happen. Number one will be tools and collateral information. And I suspect that we're going to see the emergence of guides or algorithmic tools for helping patients begin to understand certain studies. Uh, I think this will work for very basic studies that have kind of binary results that need a simple explanation. Um, This sort of thing, of course, has huge limitations. It would only serve as a stopgap until a study can be properly contextualized by a health professional. Secondly, I think we're going to see the rise of a consulting or a cures rule market as I discussed when discussing open notes, uh, there is certainly a panel of institutions who have cracked the transparency nut. They've figured out open notes. They've dealt with all the contingencies with teenagers and their open notes and et cetera, et cetera. And so I might expect some of these organizations to begin to leverage that expertise in a consulting role as challenges for the newbies grow and grow. Number three, in terms of Market opportunities, I think we're going to see the emergence of new areas of specialization. Just as general physicians have thrown their hands up around helping patients with personalized genomic results, this has resulted in an emerging role for genetic counselors. Um, and I think that's going to continue to evolve unless doctors figure this stuff out. I think we're going to see see these uh, these little pockets of expertise emerge where uh, they solve problems for patients. So in a similar way, uh, maybe there'll be professionals who make themselves available to uh, mediate information ahead of their discussions with their doctors. I can imagine uh, telehealth businesses uh, arise for helping uh, patients get through some of these crises, but who knows? 
the final thing with the market is uh, this issue of small practices. And I haven't quite figured out how the cures rule will impact small practices and freestanding surgical centers that lack the legal and compliance muscle of large systems. My concern here is that this mandate is really going to lay bare the challenge of operating as a small free agent in a world that is increasingly made up of fluid movement of information. The days of being a free agent in a strip mall or in an office building and doing your own thing, I think, are shrinking. I know I ran my own practice in the 90s when HIPAA dropped, and I can tell you uh, the consultants that I had to pay just to be compliant with that law were substantial for a solo pediatric subspecialist. So I think this is a huge law, and I hope this has been helpful to you. In closing, I would say that was, you know, what was once a movement shaped in the spirit of patient empowerment is really now an operational reality mandated by federal law. And just like the early days of the internet, access to personal information will be another element on the tool belt that offers patients a sense of belonging around their personal care. The Cures Rule is going to force health systems to be better stewards of information on behalf of our patients. And I think this is going to force health professionals to help patients think about information and what they do with it. It's going to force patients to recognize the difference between information, knowledge, and wisdom, as I suggested. And I suspect that the most critical ultimate change will be transparent conversations and more timely physician follow-up on high-stakes studies. So I hope you've liked this. More on this as the Cures Rule story evolves. I would love to know what you think. Uh, sign up for the 33 Charts newsletter. Again, you can get uh, all the links here on the 33 Charts blog post on October 7th on the ONC Cures Act. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.